0: Let me just give you a, a little bit of a setup for the second. Uh, most of you know that I love movies and I'm a, I have a, a large film experience, perhaps more so than my academic experience. But when this particular movie is on, like a moth to the flame, I don't care if it's got five minutes left or two hours and 50 minutes left, especially if it's on TV and there are commercials, I watch it. So I won't tell you the name. I'm just going to play you one clip and see if you know what it is. Are you you going to eat that? And plan on it. Do you mind? that's nice and ripe. jake says thank you so that's uh... shawshank redemption and if you're familiar with that at all uh... that is brooks who is a trustee at uh, that uh... prison and he's introduced you to his pet uh, bird That uh, entertains him. Brooks is known throughout uh, the movie as a five decade plus uh, serving uh, prisoner at that institution. And he is also the prison librarian. And he will bring by on his squeaky little book cart books for each of the inmates' suggestions for them to read. An inmate is that one who has, by their performance, by their conduct in prison... Uh, ...earn some trust with the uh, warden or the uh, guards that they have some, perhaps a little more freedom than some might have. Today we pick up with a real life trustee, Paul. He is in chains, bound in Rome. And while he was in prison, with the permission and knowledge of his captors, he is able to send out letters... As Brooks would hand out books, and we have called you last week, or the couple weeks we've said, Philippians is a book in the Bible, it is truly a letter. They have allowed Paul to send out these letters. This one to the church in Philippi, and according to Acts 28, he is in house arrest, if you will, in Rome. And there, from Acts 28, and even here, he talks about the fact that those who guard him, he's been able to share the good news with. Actually, according to, I think, Acts 22, when he's arrested in Jerusalem through the end of the book, might be a good read for you to do in the coming weeks as we are in this study on Philippians. In fact, I challenge you for the past two weeks in a row to read this letter aloud. It shouldn't take you 15 minutes, and if you want to read it weekly, every week, one time through, you're going to pick up things that you maybe skipped over or read too fast. So add to that little reading list, reading from Acts 22 to the end of the book of Acts. Along with this passage today, this idea of trusting, of a trustee of joy, Paul is facing a death sentence. He's reflecting on his actions, his life, and the impact of the gospel, and how those that he's partnered with can continue on if he does die. If he's released, good. If he dies, he says, that's okay too. For the prisoner Paul, like that movie character Brooks, was distributing as a trustee, a trustee of joy. He's distributing his joy. And that's where I want us to pick up today in the first chapter of the book of letter of Philippians, uh, verse 12. And this is a long read, and I know today is also the first Sunday of the month, so we will share uh, communion after uh, the invitation. And I, perhaps I should have divided it a little more, but uh, I'm also on track to be done, as we talked about in my office this week. I want to be ready to go through Advent and prepare us for Christmas. So we, hopefully we can get through this book uh, by the end of November. Here we are, verse uh, 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. In other words, he's telling you, I- I'm locked up, I'm in jail, I'm being uh, ready for death, perhaps, but it's all been to advance the gospel. And as a result, verse 13, it has been come clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, so many people have highlighted. For me to live... and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Pray with me once again. Father, as we look at several verses in this passage, Paul tells his friends, his congregation at Philippi, that it's okay that he's in jail, And he says, it's okay whether I live or die, because regardless, living for you is his purpose. And if he dies, he'll be face to face with you. So Lord, in the midst of prison, he communicates and shares with us the joy of knowing your son Jesus. Help each one of us today as we think of our own lives and times where we might think that we are in some sort of artificial prison To an addiction, a relationship, a situation, financial, whatever it might be, Lord, that we feel like prisoners. Help us to look to Paul and his example. That he saw the relationship he had with you and through your son, Jesus, he could find joy even when sentenced to death. Speak to our hearts this day, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First point, escape to joy. Spoiler alert, if you have ever seen or haven't seen Shawshank Redemption and you plan on watching it this afternoon, Andy uh, is the main character. It takes him 17 years to tunnel out from that prison. Unbeknownst to even his best friend, Red, he's been working all alone in silence, preparing and trying to find freedom. Paul knew why he was in prison and was not seeking to try to escape in any physical way because he could escape the chains of bondage through his joy he had in Christ Jesus. He knew that his fellow Jews had imprisoned him. They'd tried to kill him because at one time he was the, I don't know, the ringleader, those who was leading the posse to persecute Christians, and now he's become... This mouthpiece, this advocate to proclaim that Christ has risen from the dead. And that he was the savior. So he just inflamed those of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee himself. Those of the Jewish leadership of the day. He had them so angry they were ready to kill him. He appeals to say, I'm a Roman citizen. And it's because of his citizenship. And that's why I tell you, you should read Acts. And then we understand why he was taken away. And why he's given this opportunity to be heard. That he can escape through joy, even if life ends for him. In fact, to see imprisonment as a positive is really tough. Sometimes uh, in sermons I have shared that I had a cousin a year older than I am that was in prison for five years in California. There he was able to become sober and drug free. He learned two or three more trades even though he was a skilled uh, tool and die maker because that's what his dad taught all four of his boys. But he was able to repair air conditioners, repair uh, watches and such like that. So if we could ever say there was something good that came out of prison, it was his sobriety and his ability to do some other things. But, But Paul says, I am happy even in chains because of who I believe in. And I ask you this morning, how many times when you have been in a bad situation, have you used the opportunity to say that the gospel is the reason for me to be happy, not the situation that I find myself in? Now hold that thought because most of us would say, I don't know if I'm sick or I'm broke or my girlfriend broke up with me or any of those things. We're probably not too quick to say, well, God's going to bring me through it. We have to be reminded of that. Verse 12 He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has already served to advance the gospel. That is a Greek word, prokopin. It's like broke open, prokopin. And it's a word that would be used for the soldiers who would go ahead of other soldiers cutting down the trees. Basically wiping the ground clear for the advance of armies. Paul says, my imprisonment has made the way, has been a trailblazer, if you will, for Christ. This death sentence he's been facing has allowed him to advance the gospel. And he's telling the story over and over. And even in the earlier verses, last, the past two weeks we've covered, he, he refers to his, his prison life, and here he refers to his prison life. And he tells the story, once again, I'm glad that I'm here because I can tell others about Jesus. How many of you tell the same stories over and over? Norris did, right? He would always say, I'm going to tell this one because I like to hear it. <laughs> I, like, I want to hear it. And I think the older you get, you tell the same stories. Pa- kids, do your parents ever tell you the same stories? Never tell you stories? They don't talk to you? Yeah. Some, of, some of us know, and I'm, I'm as guilty as an next. I will have Dan and Pierce in my office, and I go, I've probably told you this one, but... I'll quote Norris, but I want to hear it, so I'll tell it to you again. My question is, as you tell the same stories over and over, are they stories of joy or are they stories of despair? Paul tells over and over the story of joy. He uses the joy in Christ to escape the situation in which he's actually in. We've talked over the past few weeks of what brings you joy. And thank you, uh, Laura, for that uh, video clip that we had this morning. If any of you want to record what brings you joy, we'll get you inserted into our slide deck. And you can see uh, Ruthie sent us, uh, said that it was cooking for refuel last week. And uh, for Laura, it's been uh, quilting. But so often, what brings us joy can be taken away from us. Because if it's in possessions or if it's in people those things often will leave us wanting more. But the escape for joy, or the escape to joy that Paul had, was that which overflows. In fact, he even alludes to that in the last verse of what we read today, that, that on account of the joy we have for Christ, it would overflow for all. Now, Francis Chan, who we've used some of his videos in our, our Refuel series a prominent uh, preacher, speaker, writer, told a story in a sermon and then it contained in a book that I stumbled on this week. And I share it, but I give full credit to him. And it actually didn't happen to him. It's one of those. He was uh, uh, the pastor of a church in California, and one of his staff members came in and said uh, this during their staff meeting that, During the week, he was driving to work, you know, if you can imagine, California drivers, San Antonio drivers, and he's driving, stop and go traffic, he's even trying to drop his child off at school, so he's kind of in that rush, that hurry, and a bicyclist comes up beside the car ahead of him, and the car ahead of him hits the bicyclist. I mean, it's slow speed, but the bicyclist goes down, Uh, the man who was on the bike obviously wasn't injured too bad because he jumped back to his feet and immediately started to beat on the hood of the car. Then he came around to the driver's side and started pounding on the on the window. Opened the door before the man inside, the 75-year-old man inside, could lock, could lock the door. Now granted, there's some 75-year-old men. There's some 80-year-old men in here that I wouldn't want to pull out of the car too quick, you know. I'd give them a little time, maybe run around a few times. But he began to pull the man out of the car. This bicyclist pulled the man out of the car and and was just pouncing on top of him. And he he thought to himself, this staff member of Francis Chan thought to himself, what do I do? Do I leave my child in here? Do I get in the midst of this? And he chose, I'll open the door, put his car in park, opened the door, went out and tried to pull the bicyclist off of the older man. With that, the man's envy or or, or fury uh, turned to him. And he started struggling with him, ripped his shirt and... He was taking swings at the staff member. And with that, he said, through his mind, he processed, do I hit him or do I let him go back towards working on the older man? And with one uppercut, he basically laid the bicyclist out cold. When the policemen arrived, they said, hey, we want to confirm the stories. Did you hit the guy how many times? He said once, and it knocked him out. And the, the cop said, yep, that's what everybody told us. And, of course, Francis Chan said, how I wanted to be him, you know. And, and which one of you here, if you came upon a similar situation, 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 wouldn't want to get out of your car and help that person? Would, would you get out and... I mean, Brian's shaking his head. I mean, oh, Wade, Wade, I wouldn't want Wade swinging at me. I mean, you know there are people in here that would have gotten out and done the same thing. Francis Chan, in his wisdom, says, So why won't you get out of the car, get up from your seat... Go speak to that 75-year-old man or woman who may be sitting alone somewhere and ask them if they know anything about Jesus. Has your fear imprisoned you to not share the gospel? Escape to joy. Finally, sentence to joy. I know in our congregation, and and maybe none of them are here today, we have at least three attorneys that are members of our congregations. One of those three actually served as a federal uh, judge. And I'm sure that they have saw the difficulty or witnessed the difficulty firsthand of putting the sentence to the crime and making sure they're appropriate. Uh, Dan was telling me this week about some guy that was sentenced to jail for some really small amount of money, and I found a guy that was... Up for a seven year sentence for stealing a Snickers bar in Pennsylvania. That's just this year. He was 70 years old. He'd snowed stole. Talking for me today is very difficult. Um, he had stolen a Snickers bar, and what is the price of a candy bar? A dollar, maybe out depends on where you're getting it. But it was his third petty theft like that in the past 25 years. And they've kept account. And because of him stealing that candy bar. He could be subject to seven years in prison and as of the writing and I tried to find out even uh, yesterday if he's been sentenced he hasn't been but hopefully they'll realize that uh, a 70-year-old man uh, probably shouldn't go to jail for seven years for stealing a candy bar likewise we each face a separation a death sentence if you will because of the sin in our lives and were it not for Christ interceding on our behalf and through his blood and through his victory over death, can we be pardoned from that death sentence. So Christian, as you think about this, you do deserve death, but thank Jesus for your pardon. So we should be always reflecting on the joy that Christ gives us. Paul has addressed some of the problems... Uh, his church has had, uh, this church, this letter is full of joy, full of hope, full of love, but you'll notice in verses about 16 through uh, the first half of 18, he's talking about those who have preached Christ for their own gain. But his concluding statement is, as long as Christ is preached, it doesn't matter. Now granted, we all want to think people would preach Christ because of their love for him, but he's saying, all in all, if Christ is preached, I will rejoice. He's sentenced to joy. And then verse 21, as I'm trying to get us through all these. Verse 21 is, is, as I said, maybe one of the most quoted, not this generation, but in generations prior, when it came to suffering, especially during um, the Reformation and for other times in our church history we know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I would say it is an extremely well-quoted verse, but a very poorly lived-out verse. Most of us, to live, is fun. It's finances. It's physical pleasure. It's eating. I mean, go down the list. I know some of you are going to be, he's picking on me because i got a, I got a fishing pole and I like to fish. no. When you think that life is your for your own joy and purpose, I think you have failed to understand this verse. Paul says, "For me to live is Christ." You fill in the blank in your own lives. What is it for you to live? Because if it is for you to live, to be eating when you don't have eat, when you don't have food and you're hungry, is that death? I don't know. We all learn that you can do without certain things. But to do without Christ is the ultimate separation. And it is that death that sentence that Paul is facing. However, because of his faith in Christ, he knows that he'll be with him face to face someday. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, my parents had to memorize Shakespeare. Anybody have to memorize Shakespeare in high school English? Betty, did you memorize Shakespeare or are you just stretching? No, I had to memorize oh. Hamlet, to be or not to be, that is the question. Okay, yes, yes. Well, I'm trying to stay with Hamlet because that works into the sermon. And I could always get to be or not to be. That is a question. Whether it is nobler, and then I always kind of drizzled off to the end. And hopefully somebody else in the class, when we were memorizing it and saying it aloud, they would carry it on. But whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of trouble. If you know that story of Hamlet, he is debating life or death, life or suicide. Paul longs to be with Christ He's not talking about taking his life, but he's saying, if death comes my way, it's okay. I'll be face-to-face in glory with my Savior. But yet he says, I know this church needs me. And for your benefit, I want to be here. And I want to keep encouraging and keep praying for you and keep leading and directing the best I can in this situation. The church needed him just as we need that joy model that he presented for us. Many times, as I said earlier, in fact this came from a Psychology Today article that I read, people feel like they're prisoners even though they're not really in prison. They feel like their marriage is not a prison, don't want you to go that direction. I heard that going there and I was thinking "Eh, 18 years, 19 would be lucky, I don't know. But some people do think they're in relationships that they're like a prison. Some people feel their jobs are prisons. You know, i got to go. We talked about, was it your grandfather or your dad who made the widgets, making the, valve ring, the rings? Gr- grandfather. I mean, if you're in a job that you do the same thing every day over and over, it's okay if you like the job. But if you don't like the job, how much you'd feel like you're in prison. I know there are a lot of teachers right now. I just got eye contact with my son. There are a lot of teachers going, man, I don't like the job. But you love the benefit of when they come and tell you what you've taught them, how you've helped them, how you've inspired them. That may feel like the prison sentence, but look to the joy of what you're doing. Bonnie Clark is a professor of anthropology at uh, Denver University. And she wrote a book last year called The Solace of Soil. It has to do with the Japanese internment camp that was in southeastern Colorado, called March—I I probably mispronounce it—Marche, M-A-R-C-H-E—and um, there, the Japanese prisoners that were basically internees—they were imprisoned by our country, even though many were obviously American citizens—in fear of what was happening in the Pacific during World War II—and there, these men and women. So many of them experimented with gardening in higher altitudes, found ways to grow food, found ways to grow flowers, found ways to, even in the midst of prison, to find joy and hope in their lives. And that's our challenge for us today, that you realize that whatever situation you're in, it it is not prison. And if you are physically in a prison, you can even find joy in the prison look at uh, what is it zach williams song chain breaker when he zach williams is that the right name um, when he sings that in that um it's a prison in nashville he he did that and he kind of mimicking johnny cash who from folsom you know whatever blues uh folsom prison blues these guys and men and women in the midst of prison can still find joy when they hear it proclaimed to them And sing along. I'm not saying Johnny Cash was a a gospel singer. But he did sing a lot of gospel music too. So anyway. How can we then sing these uh, songs of joy? Well by being mindful of what Paul told his congregation. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. Find the joy that only Christ can give. Whether you're in a mind made prison. You know, release yourself from that. Build an escape plan of joy. How can I get myself out of what I'm thinking about. In regards to the dismal situation that I might find myself. Because I can focus on the one who redeemed me. I can focus on the one who gives me power and inspiration each and every day. Sentence to joy should be our motto. I have more that I'd like to share. But. I just want us to close out before we get ready to have a time of invitation. That we are to escape this world through joy we have in Christ Jesus. And bring that type of joy to those that we come encounter with each and every day. I told my wife this week, as I I struggle with this passage. Because I probably am not the most joyful person. You know, the preacher, he should be bubbly all the time. No, I'm probably... Err on the side of a pessimist. I'm probably more of a realist, I guess. <laughs> but I married a lady who's happy all the time. She, well, seems to be. <laughs> I'm married to you. Maybe she's happiest when she goes to work. I don't know. Um, but we, we joke, we balance each other out. But Christ should be the one who balances us out. You know, maybe uh, you don't have that person in your life to always say, well, you should be happy about this. If you have faith in Jesus, there's a joy that comes through knowing him. And if you don't know that joy, perhaps you need to revisit your relationship with the Savior. You are to be a trustee of joy. Just like that old man in that movie was walking around handing out books for prisoners to read... Just like that real trustee Paul was writing letters to encourage churches to be full of joy. You too can be an inmate, a trustee of joy. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our fathers, we come to a time of invitation. I know that this passage uh, has so much more to offer than I've even been able to begin to scratch the surface of. I pray that um, if there's someone here today who feels the pain of this world... Whether it be through a broken relationship or a difficult job or the lack of finances or a medical situation, uh, ill health, whatever it might be. through grieving the loss of a loved one, Lord, help us to see the joy, to experience and feel the joy, and to know the joy of serving Jesus. If there's someone here today who's never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this would be the moment. If there's someone here who just wants to come to these steps and pray, Lord, the doors of the church are open. Let them respond, for I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.